are tuned into CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news. It is Punch Radio, and you have Dave and I here with uh, Brennan and Hank and Craig a little later. We got some gossip. We're going to dish out a little bit to start with uh, the Justin Roiland controversy and uh, the whole Rick and Morty thing, plus a review of the uh, Rick and Morty cookbook, which Dave got as a gift recently. And we're also going to talk about uh, a Korean movie that's new on Netflix, I think, uh, time permitting. So let's get into the whole Justin Roiland thing. So Justin Roiland, if you haven't heard about this or not in the past week, it's kind of blown up. He is done with Rick and Morty. And this is because in May of 2020, he was charged with a felony count of domestic battery with corporal injury and a felony count of false imprisonment by menace, violence, fraud, or deceit. He pled not guilty. He posted his $50,000 bond and nothing else was made out of it until January 12th. He had his pre-trial hearing and then everybody knew about it. And so all of these different groups, for example, Adult Swim on the 23rd, Hulu and 20th TV Animation ended their association with him. He resigned from Squanch Games and he has stepped away from Rick and Morty. He'll still get credited as being a co-creator with Dan Harmon, but he will no longer be voicing on the show, which is pretty significant because he does the voice of Rick and Morty. And that's yeah, and, kind and of many cute. others too. And the, the voice work on that show is such a big part of why it's funny. Um, and, you know, it's it's different from the scripted voice work that we hear on just about every other animated show. Like you could say The Simpsons had great voice work, but none of those people were writers or creators. They were just coming in and reading a script. And, you know, we know from watching Rick and Morty through the years that Sometimes they they play a little looser than that and maybe wander off script a little bit. And I mean, they can find somebody to impersonate Rick's voice and they can find somebody to say like, ah, geez. And but it's it's not going to be it's not going to be quite the same. No, it is. It has an improvised quality that you can really hear, especially in those like interdimensional cable episodes and those are some of the other voices that he does that are favorites of mine like mr poopy butthole mr me seeks noob noob ants in my eyes johnson fake door salesman gazorp gazor field so there's just yeah they'll be gone it'll just be different and i think he definitely adds something to the show that is going to be lacking but we'll see maybe they'll be able to pick up flawlessly and we won't notice yeah, we've this has happened before to many of the greatest animated series. It happened when Mel Blanc died and the Looney Tunes characters had to be voiced by somebody else. And like they were still funny, but it was definitely not the same. Um, Phil Hartman, you know, did so many of the funniest voices on uh, The Simpsons. And those characters just didn't exist anymore. You didn't have your Lionel Hutzes and 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 your... Uh, I guess it was Futurama, but Zap Brannigan, you know, you, you just couldn't have those characters anymore. I guess the difference this time is that Justin Roiland is still alive. Yes. And it, it calls to, 
attention, like separating the artist from the art. Now, if if this is true, if all of these accusations are are true, and he is like a wife beater, then yeah, he's a piece of shit. Doesn't mean that he can't make good art, but he's just kind of a flawed human being. And I don't know, it's it's hard to separate, you know, the real person from the product that they work on, especially anything that's like on TV or animation or movies, because it's not just one guy. It's never one guy. It's a huge organization working together to create each episode. So it's, it, you know, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but okay. So Dave, what is your take on separating the artist from the art? Does a bad human, is bad human capable of making good product? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I get why some people don't want to watch the Cosby show anymore. I probably don't either. Um, why some people maybe don't want to listen to R. Kelly anymore. I, maybe those are weird examples because I wasn't a big fan of either of those things to begin with. But, you know, I like I've watched movies with Kevin Spacey in them in the last three years and and enjoyed them. It, they're, they're a, it's a, definitely a little different. I can't say it, it doesn't change things. But I think maybe with an animated series where you're not actually looking at the person, you've never really looked at the person unless you were doing a deep dive on YouTube. You're not hearing that person's real voice. Um, the, I, I think there are a lot. We've never really seen this happen to an animator or a voice actor before. I think it'll be fine. But yeah. we are at a point where we're at kind of, we're we're at like a we're in a new calendar with this show. The show's great. It'll go on, but this'll be like a this'll be a BCAD kind of moment. Now, if he is exonerated and cleared and it turns out that these allegations are false like how does that affect everything like stepping away from a bohemoth production like rick and morty is a pretty big thing so you got to kind of wonder if maybe he's just tired of it too like it must be a grind putting this thing together yeah but i mean he's done other animated shows during this run so i mean i that tells me that he really he likes doing it they it feels when you're watching it like you're watching a show where the creators have a lot of fun putting it together. That's true. So we'll see. But it also could be a case of like, you know, you've got all of these amazing ideas that over the years people rejected and now you're hot. So you have an opportunity to do them. So you got to strike right now because Hollywood is fickle. So you do. And then it's just like, oh, my God, because he does. You're right. Like he has Koala Man and he has Solar Opposites, which is also a super funny, great show. And yeah, maybe he just bit off more than he could chew. And this is like a good scapegoat to just say, yeah. I made a whole truckload of money and now I'm kind of done. I want to do something else. Dave Chappelle. Right. Perfect example. Maybe, maybe, yeah. but Dave Chappelle's back and at the top of his game. So yeah, maybe I mean, Justin. The, the situations are obviously a little different, but maybe Justin can do the same. Well, we will leave it there for now, uh, at least until April 27th. Okay. When when his trial is. So um, in the meantime, Dave, what is the Rick and Morty cookbook like? It's a fun cookbook. There are some things in it that I will actually make, but it's fun to read just as a comic book. Uh, I think the highlights would be the desserts. 
You can make Calaxian crystal candy. You can make true level lemon bars. You can make, uh, one of the disappointments is there's a recipe in there for strawberry squiggles bars, but it's just like Rice Krispies and frozen strawberries which I can get by buying strawberry special K anyway. So that was a bit of a letdown. Probably the most Rick and Morty recipe in there is there's a recipe for making five little bits fried eggs from one frozen egg. So it teaches you how to freeze the egg, peel the egg, separate the parts of the egg, and then turn that one big egg into five cute little mini eggs. And that seems like something I would probably try once. Okay, that sounds awesome. Well, I look forward to eating some little bits from the cookbook. We're going to throw things over to Hank and Craig and Brennan for some nerdy news. And then we're going to quickly be back with uh, a review of a new Korean movie that Dave watched. So take it away, fellas. Hey, everybody. It's Craig Sillifan here on Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM. And I am joined, as always, by my good buddy, Hank Cruz. <laughs> Cruz. Cruz. I thought you turned into like a tugboat or something. I didn't know what was going on. We got lots of stuff to talk about today, so let's jump right in. Actually, because let's try to cover a lot of ground quickly. I think we. I know we talked about this last week, but I think we need to mention. I talk about it again. Is The Last of Us on HBO, which went from being a very well made show based on a video game that I think we were like, yeah, this is really well made, and but but it's also like. I've seen this story a million times before to something wholly more interesting in the third episode, which has taken the internet by storm. I don't know how much we should say. We should probably keep it a little bit, try to keep it a little bit spoiler free, but I mean, I, I think the internet's already sort of ruined some of it. So obviously uh, Nick Offerman and uh, what's the guy's name? Murray Bartlett uh, from, yeah, from Wait, Lotus. Lotus. And, and looking, he was also in looking. Yep are basically two well ultimately gay men that uh end up sort of living together on this like compound that's a fenced off like part of the neighborhood basically that nick offerman who was a doomsday prepper before the poop hit the fan uh lived at and these are vaguely characters from the game or at least one of them uh but this thing was like sort of a self-contained movie in self-contained love story yeah inside the show so like joel and ellie do have a part in it but most of the story is is uh offerman and uh um bartlett uh as the as this sort of beautiful love story between these uh two men and and really like quite emotional by the end i think too so i i think that it's really neat that what we're going to see in this show, and they've done some of this before, but not a whole episode like this, is when they're like coloring outside the lines of what we know from the game a little bit. And I think that's the smart stuff that Craig Mazin from Chernobyl is bringing to this uh, project. But what did you think of the episode? Uh, it was, uh, well, so far the best episode of television I've seen this year. Amazing. And how it, it started. And like, I had no idea where it was going because uh, um, the White Lotus guy shows up at Nick Offerman's place and falls into one of his traps. And then it's like, wait, don't shoot me. I'm not infected. And then it's like, hey, man, uh, okay, move on your way. And it's like, do you think maybe I could just have a quick bite to eat? And so finally it's like, well, okay. And like, yeah, you can have a shower. And then all of a sudden it's like, three years later and they're still living together and then they start to like grow old together 
in this compound and it's just it beautiful beautiful and how they shot that and still tied it into the storyline of uh everybody else uh coming there I, b- best episode of television yet i can't yeah. say enough i think it works well as a good surprise too in the way that like even walking dead was able to do that sometimes because like i said that character is in the game but you don't see one of them i don't think ever you just see a note mm-hmm. from them or something and the other like it, there's obviously something very different even maybe implied going on in the game but uh, they've really fleshed it out well here. So what uh, I also uh, really liked is that Nick Offerman went and hid all of his suitcases so that the White Lotus guy didn't see any. So then we were fine there. Dun, 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 it was a White Lotus joke about him doing his thing in the suitcase. <laughs> yes, see what yeah. I did there? Yeah. I oh yes. man. Uh, another thing I think we want to talk about quickly is the Jonah Hill Eddie Murphy movie. Uh, you no, people. You people um, on Netflix that dropped this weekend. I will just say, I, I'll let you say your piece, but I will just say I didn't mind some of it. It was fa- fairly average. I think I probably was slightly more positive than you, but it still wasn't good. I think all the characters were very unlikable and unsympathetic. Uh, I think they wasted Eddie Murphy, really, in this grumpy role uh, that, you know, just it didn't have the energy that Eddie Murphy would bring to something like that normally. He sort of felt like he was sort of sleepwalking through the whole thing. But they kind of, it just, it, yeah, it was just a very, like, uneven movie. Very cringe comedy, I would say, except for they forgot the comedy. So, like, yeah, super cringy, but, like, no, n- like, no funniness. I mean, they really, like, pulled most of the low-hanging fruit from the tree as they're trying to make these social observations and stuff it's about a white guy marrying into a a black family but what did you think well my uh, quote uh, on this is a cringy film that misses the mark more than a toddler boy trying to pee standing up for the first time 39 out of 100 hated the movie (laughs) you know but it did i still gave it a 39 because there were parts where i was like okay but overall like pick a side do you want to make a romantic comedy do you want to make a kind of a social commentary type movie do you want to this one is just kind of like a choose your own adventure where you go but like yes they wasted eddie murphy they wasted everybody in the movie a lot of talent in that movie wasted i think it it started out really funny like for the first half hour or so and then it sort of devolves from there so uh i would say you could probably skip that one or just put it on in the background while you're doing something but uh i want to quickly uh also mention copenhagen cowboy i know i talked about it a few weeks ago but the uh, nicholas winding reffin series on netflix which was sort of buried I think a lot of people don't even know this came out, uh, even people that would like Nicholas Winding Refn. Uh, It's a very bizarre uh, story. Uh, All I really want to say without giving anything away is the end was total horse crap uh, in the sense that you can tell it was set up probably for a sequel uh, or another like another season, but there's no way they're going to be getting that season. So uh, only diehard Nicholas Winding Refn fans should watch it. It's uh, it's it's sort of all over the place, but it's definitely very cool uh, and very like looks amazing. You know, it's like every room in this world has a like neon light bar in it, which is always you know I just love them for that stuff. But I want to quickly talk about Year of the Rabbit. It's a Ooh. British television sitcom created by Kevin Cecil and Andy Riley. Uh, I actually found it on uh, BritBox is one of the streaming channels that I inexplicably have because my uh, wife uh, likes a lot of British. (laughs) uh, It's a comedy with Matt Berry. And uh, man, like, I mean, I I just love Matt Berry in general. I think he's like hilarious. Like he's most people would probably know him from uh, 
uh, what we do in the shadows, the television series, but I've been following his career through things like Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and other great uh, British comedic shows. He just has so much like presence and charisma. He's just super funny. It doesn't even matter what he's doing, but it's basically a story that takes place in like Victorian times and a murderer is targeting uh, women in the night but Detective Inspector Rabbit, who is Matt Berry, and his team uh, try to find this killer, and he has an arch rival sort of watching his every move, and he's trying to think, you know, tactically to catch the culprit. So uh, it's, you know, just six episodes. Uh, really funny show. If you like Matt Berry, it's definitely worth checking out. So uh, I do like Matt Berry. Well, then check it out. Check, check, it out. check it out. I'll maybe talk about the shards next week, but what do you, uh, what do you, what else do you have? Well, uh, quickly, uh, the best show that I've seen in a long time, uh, it's called Extraordinary. It's on Disney Plus, and all eight episodes are out already. So I thought that Disney Plus, uh, sorry, Disney Plus Star, their star channel or whatever they do. Right. I thought they took it from somewhere else like BBC or Channel 4 or something. No, they actually commissioned this through Disney Plus Star to make this show. Uh, so it's a British show, but 10 years ago, everyone over the age of 18 got their superpower but jen who is the star of the show she is 25 years old and she's still waiting to get hers that's really all i'm gonna say because it is a very uh i think a very witty very well written comedy the person who created the show actually is the showrunner overseeing the whole thing so the vibe is the same throughout uh but it's really cool to see everybody else have all these weird powers and she's got nothing and to see how she does with that uh honestly to talk more about it would spoil everything it is on disney plus extraordinary check it out so is and this uh is that a movie or a tv series a tv series and it was a uh, greenlit for season two uh the day that season one came out so right. they're gonna make a second and is season. it is it like mcu or it's just like a, its own no thing? it's uh honestly the superhero stuff is minimal um to what's really going on but it's right. uh just to see somebody that's like oh i don't and most people's powers are dumb you know but there's this one guy uh luke rawlinson who uh has been in a bunch of uh cool stuff uh he originally starts off as a cat and um, his superpower was to turn into an animal. So he turned into a cat, but he couldn't figure out how to get back to being a human. So now he's living with his people. And finally, boom, he turns into a human. And now he's a big character in the show. The whole right. thing is it's great. It's okay. great. Check it out. You got about 40 seconds. Anything 40 else? seconds. That's all I need to talk about. Paramount Plus is now taking over Showtime, right. getting rid of Showtime. And it's now going to be called Paramount Plus with showtime and <laughs> streaming service instead of just keeping it paramount plus or paramount premium no paramount plus with showtime and they're doing what hbo max did and they're getting rid of a bunch of their shows so our uh american gigolo show that we really liked yeah. gone they gave it the axe they're like we're not doing more of this and they canceled a bunch of other shows and now they're going to charge you more money and why can't they just leave everything alone but paramount plus with showtime look for uh the bill coming in your mail soon i'm sure no all right. Well, there we go. That's our time for today. So we're going to throw back to Jody and everybody, but uh, we will catch you next week. Woo! Woo! And hello, Punch listeners. It's Brennan here again with some more suggestions for you again for this week. Now, this week is going to be a little bit different. Not so much as I have suggestions, but more of an update and a review. You see, now that the world is getting back to normal, live music is happening again which is wonderful, which is great. My first show I talked about, ooh, I think it was last year, 
was seeing Godspeed, You Black Emperor at the Broadway Theater here in Saskatoon. Well, this last weekend, we had Winterruption, which was a huge uh, music festival that happened throughout the city. And I had the fortunate, the fortunate opportunity to see a band perform that weekend. Now, the band name, I can't say completely on air. Um, the first word is holy. Uh, the second word begins with an F, and you, you get the idea. Um, holy F is a band who is from Toronto that the first time I saw them play was actually in London, England. Yes, out of all places, I saw a Canadian band when I was myself on tour in another country. I have not seen them, I think, since then. It's probably been over a decade. And so when I found out they were playing here in Saskatoon, I was excited to go. Uh, First of all, uh, this band, Holy F, again, I guess is is what I can say on the air. They are a Canadian electronica band uh, based out of Toronto. And they're a four-piece. And so uh, three of them have these tables with pedals and synthesizers and sound effect makers, as well as a full-time drummer. Um, And then when they're not playing their pedals and electronic stuff, they take turns doing guitar and bass. It's improv. It's fun. They have a structure for the songs. And like, again, they played my favorite song and I, of course, knew what it was. But every time they perform live, they always do it a little bit different. So you never see the exact same show twice. For me, the best part besides the band and everyone having so much fun, I turned around and there was maybe 200, 300 people there. And it was so nice just having that feeling of being back together, of being connected. You know what? Probably being overcrowded, but that's okay. It felt like home again. It felt like live music is here. Uh, Things are finally getting back to normal. It was a phenomenal show. And we look around a crowd and everyone's dancing and having a great time. Uh, It was so good. So that was my weekend. I enjoyed it. Um, If you ever have a chance to see Holy F perform live, please, please, please do. Trust me, you'll like it. Oh, and their first record, I have their first CD. They've had many out since then. I actually bought uh, two more of their records at the show, which I haven't opened yet, but I'm quite excited to look into it. So make sure if they come to your town, go check out Holy Again, another word I can't say on the air. My second quick announcement, well, it's not my announcement, but a super fast update. James Gunn just made a huge reveal of upcoming DC projects. Um, I'm going to do a very, very, very quick mention of a couple now, but we'll do do a deep dive later on. Creature Commandos. (gasps) Okay, I love the Creature Commandos, um, but it's going to be an animated series written by Gunn. So I'm curious to see what characters he will pick and which way he'll take that. Um, I love the Creature Commandos, for sure. The Authority is going to be a movie? Wow, okay, cool. I'm guessing it'd be very boys-esque, but of course, The Authority. And then, another one that I'm super excited about, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. So, he's actually doing uh, the Tom King book uh, as a movie, which I think is wonderful. And Lanterns! Uh, I don't know. They keep trying to do Green Lantern stuff and never seems to work out, but it's going to be an HBO series. Uh, Let's see what he can do. Now, there's way more, but I think I'm actually going to spend a bit more time and investigate to give you uh, a bigger cross-section. But James Gunn has some big plans. Um, So let's see if those Hollywood guns of his can help bring DC back into a multiverse slash DC universe world type thing. (sighs) Okay, that wasn't a good pun, but I did my best. All right, my friends, check out Holy F. 
I will update you on James Gunn. And in the meantime, I will catch you on the flip side. Or if you think of a better catchphrase for me, uh, let me know. I'm open to suggestions. Back to you, Jody. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay, Dave, in uh, about a minute and a half, tell us about this new Korean movie. Okay, it's called Jung E. That's, uh, it looks like the word jungle on the thumbnail, but the L is an underscore. So it's called, it's called Jung E. It's made by the director of the Korean horror thriller Train to Busan. And it's an AI science fiction hip deep in some of the fancy futuristic science tropes a little bit and sometimes seems ridiculous. But the action sequences and a couple of twists and some great performances, I think, make Zhang Yi a solid B plus for sci-fi action adventure movie fans. Very much in the vein of something like Blade Runner or Terminator. You can feel the the influence of both of those movies when you're watching Zhang Yi. And it's also like a 99-minute sci-fi adventure so you're in you're out you're entertained do a lot worse okay awesome well that wraps up our show for this week thank you for tuning in here on cfcr 90.5 fm you can find us here every friday at 6 p.m and in the meantime keep your dukes up